This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexel series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, when you're talking about the healthcare industry, it's it's a big one. It's a multi-billionaire, probably a trillion dollar uh, industry, but it's definitely a multi-billion dollar uh, business and in the era of COVID, that is probably just going to expand even more and more. But with the expansion of that, you know, that industry, that means you're going to need more and more of the best talent in these healthcare uh, startups. Which is why we have an amazing guest for you today on the show. He is the founder of Ohana Health, David. I mean Daniel Opong. What's up, Dio? What's up, boss? How you doing, man? Man, you know me, man. Living a dream, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Excited to chat today. No worries. No worries. So first things first, man, let's set this party off right, man. If you would, just kind of share your origin story and your background a little bit, if you don't mind. Good, sir. Yeah, I love that. So I am originally from the Dallas area. So okay. I, I grew up there and I went to school, undergrad, um, at a school called Abilene Christian, so a small school in West Texas. Okay. I actually went to play football originally, and uh, that was kind of where I got my start. Ended up having a couple of knee injuries, which mm. changed my whole football experience. But, you know, I, I it, it kind of pushed me to think about life a little bit differently. And so ended up getting a degree in education. Um, first job out of school was in the nonprofit industry, so I did that. Okay. For a little bit. And then I had a quick stint in consulting and sales. Uh, and then I actually went up to Washington State to get a master's degree at Gonzaga University. Gotcha. So I studied organizational leadership up there, um, worked in higher education for a little bit. And then in 2015, I moved to Nashville and I took a job um, at a venture capital fund. And <laughs> what's interesting about it, when I took that job, I'd literally never worked in healthcare, never worked in tech, never worked in venture. Interesting. And I just ended up getting a job. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we like that guy. We'll take him. And so I ended up working there for four years and really amazing experience, right? Because I think on a personal level, you know, when you work in the startup space and you see, I think we invested maybe in 70 or so different companies in the time that I was there. Mm -hmm. And so just getting to see firsthand like, what are the problems that they're trying to solve? What are the challenges that they run into in scaling their business, et cetera? I just got to see it firsthand and kind of support their growth. And so 
really meaningful and valuable experience for me. And then also the team that I worked with was super entrepreneurial as well. And so I got to learn a heck of a lot being there. So that was really great. Um, did that for four years, started Ohana uh, in my time there. And so that was part of my journey there. And then uh, in 2019, transitioned out of my role. So I was talent director at Jumpstart, which meant I did right. people growth and strategy across all of our businesses, did all of the hiring, um, kind of worked with founders on their growth strategy and people talent strategy. Uh, but yeah, in 2019, I transitioned out, did some independent consulting, and then um, day job is with a tech company out of Seattle called Limeade. So I do that, mm-hmm. uh, and then I have Ohana as well. So you know, man, it's a it, pretty untraditional path, right? I think it's not like the the typical <laughs> go to Harvard, get an MBA, and right. start a company. Right. Yeah, I just found my way through kind of following my curiosity and connecting with cool people along the way. Gotcha. I hear that. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, and you, you talked about, you know, your experience in like, you know, uh, uh, creating, not creating talent, but like finding talent and being a talent manager and stuff like that for yep. companies and stuff like that. You know, and, and you also talked about at the venture capitalist firm, like a lot of them were very entrepreneurial. Are you finding that a lot of talent, like maybe they don't go off and start their own company, but you're starting to see a lot of what they kind of call entrepreneurials. Like they have an entrepreneurial mindset, but within the traditional nine to five, have you been seeing that over the past couple of years? And if so, what do you think is driving that? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say the short answer is yes and no. Okay. Yes. In that, I think that the essence of entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is really around solving a problem. Fair right? enough. So for me, I'm like a good idea isn't a good idea unless it solves a problem. Mm-hmm. And when you get into entrepreneurship, you know, you're solving a problem if someone's willing to pay you for that solution. Right. right. And so I think on the theme of entrepreneurship, I think that a lot of people are oriented towards problem solving However, one of the main challenges I see is like if you work in a, you know, super corporate environment and you can't really be nimble and move very right. quickly uh, or there, there are a lot of hoops you have to jump through to implement processes and, and changes, it kind of can squash that creativity or it can squash that ingenuity that people have. Right. Right. But I think that to your point about entrepreneurship, yeah, hundred percent people want to create meaningful solutions. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's a common thread. And so I, I'm certainly seeing that. Um, you know, in droves. And I think one of the things also that I would add is just kind of with the ubiquity of technology and everyone being able to access entrepreneurial ideas and watch Shark Tank, like everyone <laughs> thinks that they can start a business or do a thing. And, right. you know, I think sometimes people try to apply that to their own environment, like their own work environment. Uh, but then also, yeah, people want to take that out and, and, you know, start their own ventures as well. So I think it's a mix of both entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship I'm seeing. I hear that. Appreciate you sharing all that. When that leads you to leads us to Ohana, Ohana Health, man, kind of tell us about, you know, your company, what it's all about and what you hope to accomplish. Yeah, appreciate the question. So kind of the origin story would be when I worked at Jumpstart. Mm -hmm. So for reference, Jumpstart Foundry is a health tech early stage venture capital fund. So basically they invested in early stage health tech companies. And one of the themes that I saw, so, you know, I would get a lot of students reaching out to me asking me like, hey, I'm looking for either an internship or a full-time job at a health tech company. And here's the trend. So there are students who are interested in health and healthcare, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to be doctors or nurses, Fair right? Enough. Like they wanted to go into the space. They wanted to have an impact, but they didn't want to do it clinically. And so they reached out to me and said, hey, like, I would love to um, 
you know, get a job at one of these health tech companies. And so the first year we started was 2017 and we launched it as more of just a program, like, can we connect students with these opportunities? And so we had 170 kids apply from 60 or so universities around the country. And we're like, okay, that's cool. Like there's some viability there. And then the last three years, we've had over a thousand students apply from 120 schools around the country. And so, you know, I think the narrative is really resonating with the students. Like they're looking to do this meaningful work, um, just not clinically. And so right. early career candidates, we cre- create a platform for them to do that. And so essentially the premise is um, we have a fellowship program. Um, students can apply. It's like a personal and professional professional development program uh, for students and recent graduates. And then we also work with um, startups or high growth health tech companies that are looking to source talent. Mm -hmm. And so we help them find, you know, top talent to join their companies and yeah, kind of play a little bit of a matchmaker role in in that sense. And so started as more of a traditional staffing business with the fellowship program component. And now we're looking to, you know, we launched Ohana Connect uh, last month which right. is just a tech enabled way to make opportunities and candidates more accessible. So for sure. Startup and startup nation. If you want to check out Ohana connect, we have a website there in the show notes for easy access. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast, if you're one of those uh, very talented people who maybe want to help in the healthcare space, but not in a clinical way, like my man Dio was saying, uh, go to ohanahealth.co. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast, let me ask you this, Daniel, man, like what are the, the when you're talking to these tech companies, these startups and stuff like that, and said, like, "Man, I need some great talent." What are, you know outside of the clinical part? What are those uh, those uh, startups looking for as far as talent? Is it accounting? Is it like business minded people, like you know who can scale? What what are they looking for in your from what you're seeing? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there there are two ways that I would answer that. I think the first is there's certain roles that are very skill specific, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are an engineer or you are a UX designer, like those are those are very tangible, like practical things that people would have to have education on to be able to do effectively, right? So I think that's one side of it. Some more product focused type roles where people would actually have to have the legitimate training to be able to get in there. Right. But I think there's the whole other side of transferable skills, right? So mm. like I have the work ethic and I'm driven and I'm determined and I'm curious and I'm a problem solver. I'm good with people, et cetera. If you take someone who has that assortment of skills and they're willing to do the work and figure it out, you can put someone like that in a customer success type role or an account management type role or right. an operations type role. So I, I think that generally speaking, the themes that I see, I mean, if it's a products company, you need to be able to build the product. You need mm-hmm. to be able to sell the product. You need to be able to support customers as they use the product. Right. And so I think that in those three domains, you know, you'll see um, business development, marketing, some customer success type work that, um, companies are looking for. And then on the product side, maybe it's the dev work or maybe it's the UX, maybe it's the engineers. Mm. Uh, so those are, those are a handful of things that I think I noticed, but, but what I would say, so I'm someone who has, I don't have a technical background and I really didn't have any startup expertise before I came to jumpstart. And they looked at me and they're like, you know, this guy has the work ethic and great with people. And so right. you should take a chance on him. And I think that if you can tell your story in a compelling way, I think for startups and demonstrate the work that you've been able to do, uh, that's really of interest to them. 
For sure. For sure. And, you know, let me ask you this, because you talked earlier about how, you know, you have a lot of people who want to get into the space, but not in the clinical uh, kind of way. But, you know, when you're talking about healthcare, it's a different type of industry than, say, like selling cupcakes or selling hamburgers, stuff like <laughs> right. that. You know what I mean? Right, okay, so right. like there's a there's a, a, a element there to where there has to be a level of compassion. Not you that not you can't not that you can't have compassion when selling cupcakes. But when you're talking about healthcare, it's a little different uh kind of deal kind of talk about that you know when you're when you're kind of scouting and looking for that talent and stuff like that it, does that play a role at all like as far as like that compassion piece or that passion for healthcare can of talk about that a little bit if you don't mind yeah that's a that's a great point um at jumpstart we used to talk a lot about the idea that um when you look at a company say like uber right, right uh essentially if you're a rider you know maybe worst case scenario you have a bad ride or like something doesn't go well on the ride mm-hmm. if you look at healthcare like the stakes are just significantly higher like people's lives are on the line absolutely right? and so i think that just the idea of it is a people focused kind of empathy driven industry and you right. add in kind of the profit elements i think that complicates things quite a bit of course but i think inherently yeah it's designed for to solve real problems for real people. And so, you know, I think um, if you're f- familiar with design thinking as a framework, the first mm-hmm. part of design thinking is empathy. And so one of the things that we think about specifically uh, in kind of the entrepreneurial space, but also specifically with healthcare, is like, how do we, you said compassion, how do we integrate compassion and empathy into the work that we're doing in a way that just has a meaningful impact? And so, yeah, it's certainly a quality that matters, right? Because I think right. that if you look at healthcare broadly, the companies that are having an impact are solving real problems for real people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of the, the essence of it. And so I think that we really, for me personally too, it's just something that I value and, and want to make sure that I'm incorporating into the work and into the people that, I, that I'm working with. For sure. And the reason I ask that, because when you, when you hear about like, you know, I mean, there are stories out there, right? When you hear about uh, like the Martin Shakrilli, I can't think that's his name or whatever. And you hear about people like that who kind of are in the healthcare space and it really is kind of profits over people, you know, and, right. and then you hear people say, yeah, I'm a healthcare exec. Like, oh, you are those people who sell a thousand dollar band-aids, right? You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of puts a sour taste in people's mouth. So I, I wanted to ask that question because I thought it was an important one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that that's, it's complicated, right? Of course. In, in healthcare, of like there most certainly is the human element that really, really matters. Like right. it, it's it, at the end of the day, it's about care for people. Of and, course. But also, there's also a massive financial opportunity in there too, right? Because if you create something viable that has, you know, a real solution for people, or like makes healthcare more accessible, for example, or some of those type of things, like you can make real money, and right. so. I think that if you look at just historically, um, you're probably familiar with Theranos, mm-hmm. like the whole story of Theranos, right. and they did an HBO documentary. That's a prime example where it's like profits over people and the actual functionality of the business. Like the business didn't work. Right. <laughs> and they sold it as this thing that worked and it didn't work. And then it really could put people's lives in jeopardy. And so I think there are certainly examples. And I don't think that's exclusive to healthcare. Oh, of course that's not. Just, no. <laughs> right. Like, I think that's just like with the startup world and these massive valuations and people trying to make the most money and 
all of that, I don't know. I think when it gets into healthcare, it really complicates it. And I think to me, it, 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 I go back to the idea of like, is your solution creating value and solving a real problem for real people? Right. And if so, then you'll make money. And if you're only trying to just prioritize the money-making element of it and running over people on the way, like right. I think the long-term impact won't be as good or as significant as people hope. So absolutely. No, I, I agree. And let me be clear. I like, I understand like, you know, business is in the business of making money. Let's be clear about that. There's a fiduciary yeah. obligation to do that. And I think also with that, in that same vein, uh, if you are a profitable uh, healthcare business, you're able to, you're able to serve people. If you run out, of, if you run out, if you, if the business, you know, uh, you know, go south and it runs out of business or whatever, then you can't help people. In healthcare yep, space. Exactly. So is, is that serious? So no, I, I definitely understand the balance, but I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, a that's a great bit. question for sure. Thank you. Appreciate you, uh, for that shirt, uh, Daniel, for sure. Uh, but let me ask you this, man, because now we have, you know, this little thing we call a pandemic known as COVID-19, <laughs> you, you yep. know what I mean? And it has affected everything, especially, uh, the healthcare space, you know, kind of, you know, if you want to talk about how it's affected you and your team, uh, by all means, kind of share that, but also on a much broader scale, man, like how do you think COVID will kind of change what you do at Ohana Health kind of moving forward? Is there any change? Is it not really? Kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. One of the things that I think about COVID specifically is there are very few things, at least in my lifetime to date, mm-hmm. that have brought the global world to a pause in the way right. that COVID-19 has, right? right? And I think that to me, one of the main things that it's illuminated is just this idea that the the traditional structures or the traditional ways that we do things, they need to evolve. They're going to become antiquated and obsolete. And if you look at the healthcare system, you know, I think that the doctors and nurses and frontline workers have done an amazing and heroic job. And also, I think the systems don't support the things that people need. Right. And so right. I think that there's there's a part of it that I look at the healthcare system more broadly and I'm like, yeah, they definitely need renovation. As far as how it's impacted my team, you know, a couple of things that we did, obviously, we're working fully remote. Right. We've kind of been doing that for a while, but, you know, COVID kind of eliminated the option of everyone being in person. And so we've had to figure out ways to kind of optimize their remote work experience, make sure that we're still pushing towards our goals and doing all of that. So that's been one thing specifically, but also at the beginning of the pandemic, um, kind of spring leading into summer, we started a storytelling series that essentially was like, everyone is being impacted by this moment. How can we tell the story of this time and talk with various people, whether they're in education or whether they're, you know, um, in whatever the industry might be, whether they're in business, whether they are a healthcare provider, and just hear the human stories of how people are experiencing this moment. And so those are a few things that we try to do is just engage and support the people that we were working with and around and just say like, hey, like, what has this been like to you? And then we kind of put it together into a storytelling series um, that is on our blog now. So that, that was one of the things that we did. But yeah, I just think the pandemic, it has really been a major catalyst for our need to evolve, to innovate and to change. And that's across the board. Right. And so I think that's the main thing that I come back to, like the way that we've done things has to evolve um, in all areas, whether it's healthcare, 
education, government, et cetera. Like it has to evolve. And I think the pandemic has been a huge catalyst for that. For sure. You know, I, I want to ask you about that. And real quick, Startup Nation, we're talking to founder of Ohana Health, Daniel Opong. And if you want to check out Ohana Health, we have that website, ohanahealth.co. You know, and if you listen to the replay on the podcast, we have that link there in the show notes for easy access. Now, you were just talking about storytelling because I, I kind of str- I try to stress the Startup Nation all the time that, you know, you know, you can have great advertisements, you can have a great campaign, but there's nothing like telling a story. You know what I right. mean? It's just something about stories that stick. Kind of kind of dive into that a little bit more and why stories matter and why more entrepreneurs should kind of tell the story, whether it be the story of consumers, like you know, of your of certain people like you do, the story of the of the business. Kind of walk me through that a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, totally. Um I think stories have a profound resonance with people, right? Like we remember stories we hear and you think about the way that culture is shaped over time. A lot of it is by the stories we tell, right? Mm -hmm. The stories we tell, even the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our capabilities, et cetera. Like stories have a profound impact on people. But when I think about it in the entrepreneurial context, like if you look at what, Ohana Health does functionally, like, you know, I think a staffing business isn't novel, right? Mm. Like, that's just, that's table stakes. But if I go to a student and I say, hey, like, I understand that you went to school, you wanted to be a doctor or nurse, you took bio and chem, and that just didn't resonate with you. And you kind of hit this point, like, oh, I'm I'm feeling disappointed. I want to make an impact, but I don't really know how to do that. And then you find a company that that narrative, you see yourself in our story, it's going to be a lot more compelling and resonant, right? right. So I think it takes the, the power of story, in my opinion, is, is it takes something that is, you know, whether it's functional or transactional, and it humanizes it, right? It makes it compelling. It makes it, it gives it that resonance and that stickiness. And I think it allows people to remember it, right? Like the stories that we tell in a profound way, I think it allows people to remember those things. And so, you know, I think that with products that people remember and things that last, right. there usually is a story. I think, you know, Nike does an incredible job of storytelling. Too. They the absolutely do. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you can look at some of these elements uh, and you're like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to forget that commercial. Why right. are you not going to forget the commercial? Because they told the com- compelling story that humanized whatever it was that they were talking about. And I think that's the thing that gives it resonance. And so when I think about storytelling, I think it's an integral part of any compelling brand. Like they have to have a narrative that resonates with people. And I think that's what takes it from like, oh, this is just a functional thing. That's maybe it'll help me. Maybe it won't. But oh, I really to, I really remember this and it's going to make my life better because I'm buying into the narrative more than I'm just like thinking about the function. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you one last question before we transition, because uh, you, you talked about something about finding you know, accessible opportunities for everybody. And you have a quote here that I want to read. It says, as a black founder, I want to make opportunities accessible for graduates from Ivy Leagues to HBCUs, end quote. Kind of talk about why that was important to kind of say that, and put that out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, being a person of color, you know, right. there's significantly underrepresented in the technology and entrepreneurial space, venture capital space. I mean, you can go all the way to the largest tech companies in the world, all the way down to the smaller smallest startups. There's just a lack of representation. And I think that from my view, part of the reason is because 
people don't one people don't see people who look like them in that story right? right so i think that's one and then two i think that there's a disconnect between like what are the opportunities as a person of color that are actually available for me mm. if i'm not seeing that modeled you know like right. by my parents or whatever so i'll take my business specifically we focus on health health tech and i remember when i would go so there's an hbcu in nashville um called tennessee state mm-hmm. so when i'd go to tennessee state and i'd be talking to those students about the program in large part the way that they thought about healthcare was either clinical so i'm going to be right. a doctor or nurse or healthcare administration. So I'm going to work in a hospital on the administration side. Right. The idea of healthcare technology wasn't even one of the top two or three options that came to mind when they thought about health tech, right? So I think about the accessibility piece of it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to make opportunities accessible to people who didn't even perceive that these were options. And I, and I feel invested in that work from a representation perspective. And I just think that, like, there are so many people who are wildly talented that if they just see an opportunity and they're given a chance, they can be really, really successful. And so, you know, I think that whenever you look at Ivy Leagues and you go up the ladder in that respect, like they are not lacking for at least visibility to opportunities. Right. right? And so when I think about, you know, some of the different demographic populations, I want to make those opportunities accessible uh, across the board, not just the people who they're always readily accessible for. So, yeah, it's just something that's important to me. Personally. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Stoutermation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. Oralex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. 
Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. I hear that. You know, we recently had the uh, uh, Henri uh, up here, Jacques of, of Harlem Capital on the show a while back. And he talked about yeah. that that lack of representation in the venture capital uh, space and, and in healthcare tech space as well. So I definitely uh, understand and agree with what you're with everything you're saying there and startup nation if you once again if you're looking for uh the, that type of accessibility and opportunities in the healthcare space go to o, the ohana connect uh tab on the ohana health dot com website uh we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on uh the podcast you know, man, like once again, you know, a lot of people are, you know, transitioning and you talked about working remotely, uh, you know, due to the pandemic and stuff like that. What are some of those other things you're kind of doing to, you know, not only just you know scale the company, but also like scale yourself? Are you doing any professional development these days? What's what's life in the era of COVID for uh, Daniel these days? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question. I'd actually love to hear the same thing from you, like okay. how, you're, how you're managing this time. Um, but yeah, for me personally, uh, you know, I mean, I, I uh, value health and fitness a lot. And so I've tried to be proactive and intentional with like 
my own self-care. Right. Uh, and then, so that's one thing. And then I think also just creating space for mindfulness and self-reflection. Those are a couple of like personal practices that are pretty important to me. Um, and then, you know, on the relationship side with, with friends and people in my life, I really just try to be proactive about connecting with the people that give me energy um, and, and kind of doing some of the, interpersonal relationship building right networking with people that you know you just get to engage with that that believe in you that see like who you are those kinds of things have been really really helpful for me over the course of of the pandemic and then as far as work goes you know like i mentioned the global pause that the pandemic has created right Honestly, it's kind of been nice to not feel like I have to rush around to every event here Fair and there, enough. right? Like, <laughs> right. So I, I have time to just chill and like do the things that I want to do or not feel like I have to be out the door going to this next thing. And so for me, it's actually been really, really good. I, um, we were able to build and launch this product over the course of like, we came together, we've been working on Ohana for a couple of years, right. but really more intentionally on the product stuff. Um, you know, over since the beginning of the year. And Mm so that was a really big project that we got to do. And then on a personal level, I launched another venture that's focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, That's just something that's really important to me. So I was able to do that during the pandemic as well. And so, yeah, man, I think I've had a lot of energy to create. And I think additionally, it's been supported by the relationships that I have in my life, as well as my own like personal health and well-being and mindfulness practices. So those are a few things for me that, that come to mind. Now, I, I, I'm going to get to me in just a second, man. But like Startup Nation, when you go to my man's LinkedIn page, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. And you see his picture. You can tell that he he knows how to find a gym. OK, <laughs> so I want to know real quick, man. What's that workout regimen, man? Like, what are you doing, man? Because you look fantastic. What, what's that workout regimen, man? I appreciate, regimen, that, man? Bro. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. So, I mean. Full disclosure, I used to be an athlete. and so Right, I, fair enough. I, I'm very washed up these days. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I used to play football for a couple of years. Right. So, you know, I've just kind of kept up with uh, um, strength training type routine. And so I'll probably go like six days a week at least, if not more. Jesus. Um, you sure you're not, you, well, hello, you sure you're not like, you know, trying out for a team sometimes? <laughs> man? No, I'm just messing with you. Go yeah, ahead, brother. You, you, you should see my little brother. Like, my little really? brother is level yeah yeah he's so he's actually a personal trainer and so uh, i got you that he, makes sense you know he's he's on that vibe but yeah for me it's just a hobby right and i think um i just enjoy there i think there are a few things in life that are like very binary in the way that like lifting weights is right gotcha. because either you can lift the weight or you can't either you can lift the weight with the proper form or you're not lifting with the proper form like it's just pretty simple and it's kind of a mindless thing and it's also good for your well-being and so yeah for me it's just <laughs> it's a fun thing to go do gotcha. I'm, I'm a morning person so i'll wake up and you know usually five, between five and six sometimes earlier and that's usually the first thing i'll do is so i'll i'll get myself together go to the gym kind of start my day off that way so you know it's, gotcha. it's just uh it's a good vibe. So I got you. I got you. No, I, I hear that. I had to mess with you just a little bit. Uh, but, you know, with, with us, you know, with the show, matter of fact, at the beginning of this show, we had actually had just syndicated to a radio station uh, uh, here in Memphis. I don't know if you know, we're here based here in Memphis, Tennessee, so not Very too cool. far yep. uh, from you. And so come was that March? That's when the pandemic hit. And so, like. You know, we had to move all the operations from home. I had to kind of like, you know, buy uh, uh, the studio equipment for the house and stuff like that. Now I haven't seen them in months. And so I'm still like working with them and sending them all the audio files and and stuff like that. But but that's from a work standpoint. As far as a home standpoint, I'm kind of doing a lot of the same things. 
uh, as you, you know, as far as like a interpersonal type of development, like with my wife and my kids and, sure. and, and stuff like that. My, my daughter, she had a birthday in May and it wasn't until the oh, day goodness. of her birthday that she realized like, Oh, I can't have a party. And, and so mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was, you know, we had to kind of rustle up a little thing. So we did one of those things where, you know, a lot of the family kind of come by in the cars and right, right. do that caravan type uh, situation, uh, as well so no it, it's been an adjustment you know it's been an adjustment but you know we're all hanging in there uh, I, I will say one of the things that I've been doing is you know so I know there's a lot of people who don't look like us who are you know because we're seeing a lot of you know social uh, you know uh, unrest with different things you know right. George Floyd and stuff like that yep. and so I know a lot of people are like reading books you know about like white fragility and stuff like that. So I actually took myself the opportunity to kind of do the same thing, but like with women. So I have conversations with my wife from time to time, like, Hey, do I do this? Does this come off as kind of like, you know, you know, have I mansplained and stuff like that. So I'm kind of doing that part uh, as well. So that, you know, kind of like, you know, personal development, you know, from that standpoint, but like I said, all in all, we're just adjusting and just honestly, man, just rolling with it. Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, this thing is kind of crazy. We were just talking the other day about uh, what we're going to do for Thanksgiving. You know yep. what I mean? You know, so I think we're just going to kind of do something just here at the house and maybe share a, a virtual drumstick with my parents <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, but that's what. How old are your kiddos? Uh, they are fifth, soon to be 15, 13, and 8. Okay. So yeah, so I got uh, two teenagers and a uh, soon to be teenager. So you can see, you can understand how this house whirls. You know, yeah, and, and, you know. I bet. You know, and, and two of them are, are are girls, so you know I don't run nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just do what you're told. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. man. So once yeah. again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Daniel uh, Opong, founder of Ohana Health. And once again, if you want to check out Ohana Health or Ohana uh, Connect, that that resource to kind of if you're looking for uh, connecting with health t- healthcare uh, tech startups, uh, go to OhanaHealth.co. We have that uh, link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Hey man, what's your entrepreneur superpower, man? I know you look like the Hulk over there, but what's your <laughs> entrepreneur superpower, man? Uh, I would say two things. Okay. My curiosity mm-hmm. right? and just following my curiosity. So for me, curiosity is just being inquisitive and asking questions and, and, and not feeling like, you know, or have all the answers. Mm. Right. I think that Asking questions that lead to more questions that lead to more questions and discovery and development and all of that. Right. Um, I think that's something that I, I do pretty naturally. And I think it's a superpower of mine. Uh, and then I'd also just say connecting. I love connecting with people. I love connecting people to other people. I love connecting. That's essentially the premise of this business, right? Like I want mm-hmm, to take right. people who had an interest in an area and help connect them to opportunities. So yeah, I would say curiosity and connection would be my superpowers. That, that curiosity piece, let's talk about that just for a second, because you talked about, you know, you know, having an education background and stuff like that. Did, did that come from, is that just something that you just always had? Was that something that's kind of fostered when you was going through school? 
school, uh, being an education major. Kind of talk about that curiosity just a little bit more, if you don't mind. Because I think because the thing is that, like, I think uh, there's many of us don't follow that curiosity enough. Honestly, I I wouldn't have been able to scale the show the way that we have without my curiosity. Just like you say, asking those questions and not being afraid of not hearing no stuff like that. But just kind of talk about that a little bit more, if you don't mind, man. Yeah. Uh, on a personal level, yeah. I just think I've always been inquisitive gotcha. and, and I think part of the essence of entrepreneurship is not just seeing things as they are, but seeing them as they can be. And I think you have to have a level of curiosity to say like, well, what is this and what could this be? Or like, how could we look or think about this differently? Right. And so my curiosity has been like, how can I have a different angle on some of these things that are already happening? And I don't know that I would say it came from education per se. Mm-hmm. Or like, so my dad is an academic and I grew up in, in a household that really valued academia and that kind of thing. But I was less interested in academics and more interested in learning. Right. Fair like, enough. I think yeah. Those two things are different. And so I think on a practical level, it just was a lot of inquiry and inquisition and just about like, how does this work and how should, how could this work and what are the possibilities? Uh, but then applying that to a startup space, it's, it's thinking about what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Who are we trying to solve that for? What's the impact of solving this problem? How do we make it meaningful? Right. right. And so just that continual in, inquiry and questioning, um, I think for me, I just feel the most personally engaged when I'm following my curiosity and not just mm. stopping at what something is, but like right. imagining what it could be and continuing to iterate on the design and seeing the different ways that it can evolve. Like that's just an energizing thing for me. And so I think for a lot of people, it's easier to accept things the way they are and kind of, you know, maybe feel a little bit disengaged instead of saying like, okay, I can accept what it is and also imagine what else it could be. Right. And I'm willing to invest in the work that it takes to get to that possibility. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's just a personal value that I have that I think translates to the work that I do as well. It's funny you you mentioned that because just yesterday we talked to uh, Dr. Britt Andriata. She's like she's an executive over there at LinkedIn Learning. She used to be the chief learning officer at Lynda.com before LinkedIn kind of bought it and stuff like that. And she talked about that very thing. Like there's a difference between learning and education like education right. is the system of yep. you know this that, and the other but you know uh but she's uh appreciative that like there's more access to learning you know as we become more and more interconnected with the interwebs and in- internet and stuff like that there's more access to people who didn't have access to f- before to like learn different things like coding yep. and whatever the case may be so now nah, i think you and her share that same t- sentiment so i just i just wanted to put that out there yeah, no, I think I think it's true. Like I think, like I mentioned earlier, the education system broadly, I don't necessarily know that it really promotes learning or allowing students to follow the curiosity or the right. they're curious about, right. right? And I don't think the system is bad inherently, but I think right. the question for me, again, it's going to the curiosity theme, like is it creating uh, what it's designed to create? Mm. Is it actually supporting the things that it needs to support? Big Are facts. students going in and able to connect with you know what they actually want to learn about? Or are we just shuffling them through <laughs> this system that checks our boxes and allows them to test high on various tests, right. but then they leave and they're not equipped to do the things that they want to do? Like I, on a, for me personally, I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 very curious, but the education system did not. It wasn't necessarily the context that I actually learned. I think I learned 
a heck of a lot more through entrepreneurship than I ever did through the education system. Right. You know, and we talk about this all the time, you know, uh, you know, where uh, unfortunately, you know, we find this with, you know, teachers or we find this with like supervisors at a company. It's like far too often. We, we try to make them for what we need them to be right then and there right. to our students and subordinates, stuff like that, as opposed to setting them up for success and and really fostering that curiosity. And, you know, and, and we do this through a number of ways. And one of the big ways is kind of, sh- you know, shaming when people get stuff wrong. Right. We're so yep. in a in a in a society where if you, if you ain't right, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Yep. We're like, well, not necessarily. Like maybe we not just you know, you need to tweak it or we're not there yet or something like that, but it's not necessarily always that black and white. And I think that you are wrong kind of really deters curiosity and innovation and creativity a lot. But, you know, so no, I definitely have definitely uh, in agreement with you there, brother, for sure. Yeah. Love that. No worries. No worries. So look, man, just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciated your time. Really appreciated the content, the value that you provided today. But man, look, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you because there's someone out there with everything going on, feeling a little discouraged, feeling a little down. Give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, brother. Love it, man. I think I would just say that um, there's power in your perseverance. And perseverance and resilience. And I I think about my own path and my own journey. Um, I think a lot of it, I I had things that didn't go as planned. And Mm. and in that, uh, it actually turned out to be a real opportunity for me to persevere and be resilient. And so if you are feeling discouraged, I totally hear you and I empathize and I see kind of the process that you're in but also know that you can persevere and be resilient and bounce back. Uh, it doesn't mean that everything is going to continue to go as planned or going to be easy or going to be perfect. You have what it takes to make it happen. So that's what I would say. I hear that. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up our, this session of the startup life. We want to once again, thank Daniel Opong, founder of Ohana health for coming on the show. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks my man. I really appreciate the conversation. No worries. And as always startup nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.